Hi, this is Bruce Clark, host of Twip Weddings. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the Cashfly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with Cashfly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This episode of TWIP is sponsored by the Out of Chicago Conference, bringing together passionate photographers for amazing photo experiences. This is TWIP. Episode 455, a WPPI Roundup. The annual migration of wedding photographers continued in force with thousands of photographers in attendance at this year's Wedding and Portrait Photographers International Conference, also known as WPPI in Las Vegas, Nevada. In this episode, I sit down live at the conference with five industry experts, including TWIP veteran Scott Bourne. We discuss the show, the industry, and what the future might hold for wedding photographers everywhere. It's Monday, March 7th, 2016, and this is TWIP. All right, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. This is a very special episode of TWIP. We are coming to you from WPPI 2016 in the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And there's a lot of stuff happening at this show, but more than that, there's a lot of stuff happening in this room that we're in because through the graciousness of the press people at the, uh, you know, that run this conference, we are in the press room and we're, we've assembled an all-star twip with a special, special, special guest. Special guest. <laughs> I'm looking at him right now. And I'll introduce him. We're going to go around the table first and uh, have folks introduce themselves. First, to my right here is Mr. Craig Colvin. Craig, Hi. tell us about you. Who are you and uh, where are you from? Craig Colvin, a photographer in San Jose, California. Um, CraigColvinPhotography.com. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to be included with this uh, uh, very uh, great group. <laughs> it's an all-star group. All-star group. <laughs> Don't be nervous, Craig. Are you nervous? <laughs> a little. Yeah, they, they, they. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. All right. To your right, the host of TWIP Weddings and my good friend, Mr. Bruce Clark. Welcome. Good day, sir. Good day. Good to see you again. Back yeah. in Vegas. For I know. Another, my second WPPI. I'm a veteran now, I guess. Yes. There you go. It's my second WPPI. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yes. So I'm Bruce Clark, as Frederick mentioned, the host of TWIP Weddings. And a wedding photographer at momentsanddigital.com. So, again, yeah, just like Craig, I'm very happy to be amongst such esteemed, esteemed panel that we've gathered here today. Yeah, so. yeah, cool. Yeah, me too. That was the word I was looking for. Esteemed. Yeah. Esteemed. <laughs> esteemed. Right. I know words. I have all the great words. Isn't that, what, isn't that a Trumpism? Didn't you say oh, please. Do <laughs> now. Okay, now we got to restart the podcast. The <laughs> Being the token Canadian, right? I had Oh, and someone, you know, before we continue, someone sent me a message today that said, it was a message through the TWIP feedback forum that's they were complaining about our, how much we talk about mirrorless and how we, how we detract from Nikon and Canon too much, and they equated TWIP to the presidential debates, saying that, you know, we, we are mudslinging much like the Republican candidates mudsling, but only we're using cameras. I'm like, really? 
that's all you got to talk about. <laughs> what a stretch. All right. On the lighter topics, also in the room, my other good friend, Miss Sarah France, who I've known for a while. Hey, Sarah. Hi. I'm so glad to be a part of this group. Thank you guys for including me. Um, I'm Sarah France. I'm from San Diego, and I'm a wedding photographer out there. Um, and I also have a group of, we, I like to call them artists, um, not associates. I don't like the word associates. So we have a couple of associates in, in San Diego. And then um, we have a new artist in Austin, Texas. So um, they, you can see their work at friendsphotographers.com too. So it's exciting. Love it. Well, yeah. welcome. Thanks exciting for coming. News. Yeah. All right, coming back around the bend, Mr. Joseph Lenashki. Also going to be a host on the TWIP Network. Not yet, though. That's right, coming up soon. But you're doing a lot of cool stuff, kind of grooming yourself for that <laughs> big leap. Grooming something. <laughs> grooming something. Oh, we don't need to go there yet. <laughs> so what, what's going on with you, man? Well, so, of course, I'm Photo Joseph, photojoseph.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to be here at TWIP, uh, here with Panasonic as a Lumix Luminary, and, of course, the host of PhotoApps.expert as well. That's it. That's it. And you're not happy to be here? What about I'm all very, the platitudes? Come on. At this point, we want to get on with the show. Oh, they so were talking be about being in your friends. presence. That's oh, what they, oh, okay. I, I think it's the next guy that they're talking no, about. No. All no, right. It's good to be among friends again. This is, it's been a while for a lot of these uh, a lot of these eyes here. It's good to see people again. Yeah, likewise. likewise. All right. So last but not least, the man sitting immediately to my left as you listen to this podcast, is Mr. Scott Bourne. Scott Bourne is the founder. Would he be founder or co-founder? Founder. Let's say founder. Founder of This Week in Photo. You started the thing. This was your brainchild. And without you, none of this would have happened. It may have happened in a different way, but not like this. So, Scott Bourne, you have dropped off the radar. We didn't know where you were. You just said, you know what? I'm done with social media. You pulled the plug. But now you're back on the scene. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And I certainly don't want to take the credit for founding the show. Me, Alex Lindsay, um, and, and Ron Brinkman actually had the idea together. Although it was Steve Simon who wandered onto the first show wondering what a podcast was. And we did it live <laughs> at Macworld. And that was 455 episodes ago for you back guys. Back when they still had Macworlds. Yeah, back oh. when they still had Macworlds. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and then you know, we, we got... We got to have you involved, and it was—it just became one of, frankly, the best times of my life. I remember it as a, a real fun time, and you know, the the notion of a bunch of us getting together and talking about photography and hey, let's throw a mic on it was really kind of where it started. Yeah. And then I went on to found uh, the Photo Focus podcast. Although I found a Photo Focus site a long time before I did any of this in 1998. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you've done all kinds of stuff. I I'm mean, old. You, but no, no, no. <laughs> I, yeah, that's simple. what I was driving at. But really, you, <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, you like when we first met, you were doing what was it, Padango Studios? Yeah, I, I helped some guys launch a podcast network called Padango, and you know, I, I did a, a, a startup in 1995 called Net Radio. It was the first streaming. It's like you know. If you like Spotify, if if you like those kinds of things, you can thank me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then we did First TV, which was YouTube way too early. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I kind of like to play with technologies, anything involved in media, and particularly, of course, photography. And now I'm just the founder at PhotoFocus because I no longer own the company. I sold it to my buddy, uh, Rich Harrington, our friend. Yes, our friend, yes. And uh, now I'm just back on board there as a consultant. And now I'm hosting three of the four PhotoFocus podcasts again. Very cool. Uh, that was kind of fun to get asked to do that. And uh, I, I still do my bird photography. You can see my work at scottborn.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
I, uh, I still enjoy photography as much as I did the very first day I picked up a camera, and I feel honored and blessed to be able to tell stories and protect memories for people. Love it. Love it. Well, welcome back to it's an honor the show that you Thank created. You. Thank you. Appreciate you being <laughs> You've here. You've done a fairly good job without me. You know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I try. Um, one, oh, one thing I was going to tell you, I was at Twit Studios a couple weeks ago, and on the wall in Lisa Laporte's office, guess what I saw? Cranes in the Fire Mist? Cranes in the Fire Mist by Scott Bourne. That's yeah. such an honor that Leo likes that picture. Our yeah. good friend Leo Laporte asked me for one of those early prints, and I gave it to him. That's, uh, it's nice that he, they still like it. Yes. <laughs> Mark Fuccio from Drobo was in the office, and he tried to rip it off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we, we, we made that addition a little small because I was like, nobody's going to want to buy this thing, and we were selling it on Twitter only. Yeah. And I was like, no one's going to want this. You know, we sold a 100, 100 print run in eight days. Wow. So I kind of undershot the mark there. Yeah, <laughs> I had yeah. many a night thought, you know, should have made that a 500 print run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's nice that people remember that picture. It was one of my favorite photographs to get. And, you know, everybody should have a Cranes in the Fire Mist in their lifetime. Yeah, yeah. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. All right, guys, let's let's switch the conversation to WPPI and to wedding photography. I'm going to start with 
Mr. Bruce Clark, because you are the resident wedding expert on the TWIP network. Well, I would say Miss Francis probably got more under. Uh, she doesn't run a show. She doesn't run a show. I've only come 14, so oh. you're good. <laughs> Zinger. So what's this? She started coming here when she was like eight. Yeah, yeah. clearly. Yeah. yeah. You can see me. There you go. Well, what do you think, Bruce? Like, what standout things at the show? Does the show have a feel and overall theme? For you, I mean, it's you've only been here twice, tell. so yeah, it's it's still early to tell. We're only on. I only got in late last night, so I've only really had one day to kind of explore. And like like past years, it's I mean, the show is massive for anybody who hasn't been to WPPI before. It is the scale of it is is pretty massive. There's so much going on. I mean, you've got platform classes and master classes and photo walks, you know, and then you've got the expo with just tons of, of vendors. So there's so much to see and do here. You really have to kind of pick your battles. Um, so you know, last year I spent a lot of time just figuring out where everything was and finding my way around the hotel and that was half the battle. So this year it's kind of nice, I can, I've, I've mastered that so now I can start to focus on, on certain aspects and things. So um, yeah, definitely just going around checking out. Today was all about checking out some of the vendors and seeing some of the new some of the new latest and greatest gear that we've talked about over the last you know couple months on, mm -hmm. on TWIP. Yeah. Um, you know, looking forward to kind of getting my hands on some of the new hardware that's out there, like the 1DX Mark II and yeah. checking out the new stuff from Sony and the new stuff from Fuji. So there's just, I mean, so much stuff. the candy shop, right? There's yeah. so much yeah. stuff that you can go and check out here right now, which is really great. Um, for me, the big thing is I really want to, you know, printing and albums is, is such a big part of what we do as wedding photographers and preserving those memories. And I think for the last few years, there's been that kind of push back against the, the you know, the cloud and the shooting the shoot chair yeah. um, kind of movement and this push back to, you know, preserving memories and, and having photographs and actual printed, you know, something tangible that you can look at. So yeah. I'm seeing, you know, a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, album companies here and, and printing companies and, and labs and things like that. So it's yeah. kind of nice to see that I, coming back. I think there are more than, more than there were last year. Uh, yeah. There seems to be... Printing uh, companies? Yeah, printing companies yeah. and, and album companies. Lots yeah. of... Lots of album companies. Yeah, uh, this year. I don't know. It's interesting, Sarah. What about you? I mean, what it, you, deltas over the years that you've been here? Anything? I know. I'm like, let me go back in my brain to so many. No, I think that the, that this year, um, the overall, like, it feels very similar and familiar. Obviously, we're in the same space that we were that we have been for several years, and I've been hearing because I have my whole team here, so I get to hear not only my perspective but all of theirs when they come back to the room of the classes that they're attending and everything. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of like inspiration. Like, there's a lot of of people giving talks that are giving a lot of inspiration, but I'm not hearing as much technical, as much like hard, like these are the steps to take, these are the things to do. Um, I'm, I'm definitely feeling that they're kind of wanting that as the show goes on. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they will, they'll get that, they'll start to change who, what they're gonna go see. And so it's more like, like you could do this, keep trying instead of, okay, to do that thing, A, B, C, D, yeah. go. Exactly, and I think they're wanting to like hold on to something tangible and take something really, really physical back now that they've gotten that bit of inspiration. Yeah. But the inspiration is what we come for as well. Um, the print comp looks amazing. We walked some of the print comp that's hanging and just incredible stuff this year. I talked to a few of the judges and they said really, really great stuff's being yeah. submitted this year, which is great. Um, and then the showroom floor, I would say there's been a lot of good stuff. I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the top things that we've seen so far a little bit later, but uh, there definitely is a lot of good stuff. I went to a thing this morning with 
um, Canon talking about their cameras and their printers specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely see some of what you guys are talking about too. But there's still a ton of digital delivery on the showroom floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, just so many different places to choose from and even areas that have really already set businesses that are are jumping into it too. That's, so. a, that's a good point. Joseph, I want to have you chime in. You're the photo apps expert, right? These, there's lots of apps here. There's lots of software in the cloud, off the cloud, etc. Where do you start? Like when photographers, and also chime in, you know, if you see any, you saw any themes on the show floor, but where do you start as a new photographer? Somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, I want to be a wedding photographer. And then they come to a show like this because they're all excited and then they go away with overwhelm because there's so much stuff. And they're like Sarah was saying, there's no like, start here. You know, right. get your, are you going to be a business? Then get this business software. If you're going to, you know, what, well, what do you think? It's really easy to become overwhelmed uh, with stuff like that because there is, I mean, I'm, I've fallen prey to it myself, signed up for a service that I thought because of the show, I saw a great demo. I thought, this is the greatest thing. This is just what my business needs. It's 50 bucks a month or whatever. Yeah, that's good. I can do that. And then a year later, you've barely used it, if at all, and you're now all that money out, and you're just going, oh, man, why did I sign up for that in the first place? Not that it isn't any good, but because it can be overwhelming. So it's easy to step in and see 20 different services that every booth, of course, is telling you you need. You need this, obviously. That's yeah. something to sell. So according to them, you need everything. Right. Uh, so it's, it's very easy to get caught up in that. So as a beginner, it's, it's really a case of taking stock of what's here and not, not taking advantage of those buy now and save 10% deals and unless you really really know you know you can end up losing a lot more money than you're saving by jumping on all those offers that are around right take some flyers home do your research see if you still even remember the name of the company the next day um, i mean how many things have you signed up for that you couldn't find the next day or a week later because you didn't remember the url where you signed up for right. it like, i knew I, there was this service that did this thing yeah so it's there's a lot to see there's obviously digital delivery as we've said is huge and there's a lot of services doing that and they're i, mean, I haven't seen anybody that's doing it poorly, at least everybody I've seen on the floor is doing some really clever and creative things, just got to find out which one suits you. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tough journey for sure. Yeah, but if you back up from that, all that that you said presupposes that the people can actually shoot and create <laughs> photography. Right? Well, that's never stopped anybody from going to the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah even, even. Scott Morton, what about you? Looking at the show floor, you've been here many, many times. Right? I think it's my 14th, not consecutive, but I mean... It's you my 14th WPPI. I, I am encouraged by a couple of things. First of all, I mean, I think the first WPPI I went to, there were maybe four women in the audience. Mm. And now they're the majority of the audience, it looks like, at least at first blush. So I thought that was encouraging. I like to see the diversity in, in the workplace type thing where we're getting that viewpoint because the women uh, will see things differently than the men, which we can all learn from. So that's important. And I have to echo what Bruce said. I am passionate, and there's a special emphasis here at WPPI on printing this year and they have a whole special track on it I'm so thrilled to see it as you know as an old guy you know for us prints were backups that's what the, that was the first backup you had true. A print that's true. and you know I, I meet people now and they're like I don't print I think that's just to me it's I print every single day really you know every single day I print wow. and and I don't even have like a fancy new printer I'm fixing to get one after I saw those new cannons today that 17 by 22 printer that prints produces the beautiful blacks 
Yeah. And it's like 1300 bucks. Wow. You know, as a guy who spent $149,000 on his first iris printer, yeah. and then spent another 149000 on the second one because they're like helicopters, you have to have two to make one work. <laughs> it strikes me as a fairly good printing bargain to get a $1,300 printer that works all day and perfectly. Yeah. And I just really want to encourage photographers to print their work. It's not real for me until there's a print. Yeah. That's when it becomes a real photograph. But is Every it all photographers, though? Because there's there's a contingent of photographers that are like, yes, it's not real unless it's hanging on the wall and there's atoms involved. But then there's these Instagram photographers and that delivered online and they're making, you I, know, six get, figures a week doing that. I have that. to admit, at my age, I'm simply not part of the Instagram uh, generation. Yeah. But I will tell those Instagram people a little story of something that happened to me. I was pulling up some... Uh, files because I needed to redo some new letterhead and I found my designer's logo on a CD-ROM from 1992 mm -hmm. couldn't open it oh. so those yep. digital files may not translate across the time warp. right which is a huge problem and, and yeah. so I think people need to at least come to shows like this to investigate you can learn how to print here there are printing experts that will help you especially at this particular show which that's why I'm encouraged about there are vendors with amazing tools papers and and profiles and it's easier than it's ever been these new canon printers have a, a vacuum loading system you don't have to touch the the print it's pretty spectacular um, I, I was very encouraged by that I am also encouraged as an old guy to see old friends like Tony Corbell who's like the only photographer to have photographed every living head of state and uh, you know um, Clay Blackmore who was Monty Zucker's old assistant now grown into his own superstar and and you know my friend Skip Cohen who kind of helped start this show I, 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 the old folks that that were around when I was more in, into this kind of the world are here teaching the young folks and I think it's important because they know stuff that the young people don't mm -hmm. which is why I bought the URL oldguysknowstuff.com <laughs> I, I, Scott I think you should register um, Instagrams Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, look at Here we go right with the geriatric jokes, folks. We're going to the lowbrow humor. <laughs> you can go there and there's nothing there. Because nobody wants to what you're saying about not being able to open these old files. And while that's 100% true, I think that a lot of the, the Instagram generation would say, I don't care. Because they got the clout. Well, it's not even about the clout. They just don't care about that image past this week. I understand. They just don't care. And, that's, and we see that as, as a tragedy, but... <laughs> It's, it's their pictures and they just don't care. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole decade that the Smithsonian is really worried about. They, they collect archives of old photos and they're losing that for this, you know, this time period. There's just no, you know, they're trying to collect it digitally, but, you know, they're, they're so used to dealing with prints and there just aren't any to collect. Which I think is fine for pictures of your food. Like, who wants to see that a yeah. week later, right? Well, who cares? But I, if it's, if it's you know, well, grandparents or parents' wedding, I want to see the, you know, I'd love to see my grandparents' wedding photos. I wouldn't want them yeah. lost because, you know, the photographer decided to just put them on Instagram, right? So well, I think the wedding is a bit different. That is on once in a while. We do give discounts for brides on their third drive. <laughs> but the, the majority of what you see on Instagram, the good stuff, let's ignore the food and the stupid pictures. There's good stuff on there? There's, oh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. And there's some phenomenal photos that you will, if you wanted to go back a day later and say, oh, where was that photo that I saw yesterday? It's almost impossible to wow. find. Fire hose. Yeah, and if the photographer, if you don't remember who the photographer was, you're not following them, chances are finding it are slim to none. But for a lot of them, they just, they don't care. Yeah. 
It just doesn't matter to them. It's well, then, then I'm okay with saying fine, and I don't care that you don't care because I'm going to try to influence you. Yeah, absolutely. That's my opinion. I'm going to try to influence them because they may at some point wish they had thought differently because all of us as we get older look at things differently than we did when we were younger. And, and I don't know that if, if they get older and miss those opportunities to say, I made this incredible shot, and let me tell you all about it. It's sort of like that fish my uncle caught. You know, it's like, there's no proof. Yeah, never yeah. true. Well, I am encouraged that there are some printers that are, do seem to be going after that market. Um, Artifact Uprising, I know, is a printer that really caters to that Instagram market. It's print square. They have mm -hmm. that kind of older look that is, for some reason, so popular on Instagram. And, um, and yeah, if they're going after the marketing and getting people to print those prints, even if they're small, then that's great at least it's something. Yeah. And it's easy to do. And yeah. it's an app. Like right. all the th like those things are important to people who are just trying to, you know, enjoy their images the way that they want to. I mean, we have this conversation with our clients on a daily basis of trying to encourage them to print the beautiful wedding photography that we create for them in, in the form of an album or a print for their wall. Like... They're enjoying them in such a different way, but I, they don't really think five years down the road or ten years down the road. Um, and we're concerned as well and trying to make sure that they're going to be able to enjoy those images for a lifetime and trying to educate our clients. Yeah. Because it really comes down to we're all just trying to have a successful business and give clients what they want. Right. Like that's what we want to do. So that what they want is digital delivery, of course, and mm -hmm. what they need <laughs> is is beautiful archival prints and albums, something um, physical to have. So but piggy, but piggyback on that, Sarah, piggyback on that. With the, we're talking about like a bunch of different things here. So we're talking about the albums and printing and you know the artisanship of creating these awesome prints with the beautiful Canon printers and pillows in the wall. Then we're also talking about kind of disposable photography or you know the yeah. endless toilet paper roll of photography that just goes by and it's gone right isn't there a way to merge these two like in your business how do you merge these two I mean in, and it doesn't have to be an, an either or like there's some photographers that you just find forever just shooting with their iPhones and publishing and it's totally okay they don't have to print or feel bad that they're not printing right and on the other side there are photographers that you know they're gonna print and they'll never be on Instagram because it's not the medium for them. Is in, from a business standpoint, which is what this show is about. From a business standpoint, is there a, a nexus of the two where you, as a business owner, say, "Okay, we're going to give you this fine art, and that's why I can charge you the prices that I'm charging you." But we recognize that the industry also wants this cloud stuff, and this is how we're going to give it to you. How do you handle that? There is, but I think it comes with it comes with education. It comes with education to the clients of like what the difference is. Um, because they just don't understand like for them a walgreens print is the same as like what you give them they don't understand the so difference they think it's a commodity yeah. yeah and and for some of them the difference doesn't matter like that's the other issue that we have or conversation that we're having all the time so i think it's um it's something that you know i don't know that there's an exact right answer for every single person it's different for every every person but we do try and encourage our clients to make sure that they have an album which we feel like is really important um, that they have good final prints that come from a professional lab mm -hmm. um, and and that we are providing those services and those offerings to make sure that they're able to create that themselves if they if they feel the need or 
um, also through us, which of course we would prefer, and yeah. explaining the difference between the two. But and most, then we most, give them choice. most brides, most brides are new, right? So this is their first time through this process, right? Which means they're going to look at what you're saying, like you're saying, you know, you got to make sure you're using a professional lab. This is the first time they've heard those words. Where we marinate in this, we know, totally. okay, all these, we know the five good labs to go to. Yep. They don't know. They what? Right. What do you mean? What's a good lab? Walmart right. or Target? You yeah. know? So right. how, how do you educate? Honestly, them? or yeah. Costco? Or Costco? Wh- yeah. Which one of these should I use on a daily basis? Right. I mean, the education becomes you know really in our in our space. Everybody's answer is different. As I sat and talked to people at the WPPI booth today about prints and printing and what they're doing, some some people are are not allowing their clients to have digital prints unless they get an album through them. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great answer in some cases some in our case we control how they get prints and we give them really inexpensive options they go straight through the professional lab they go to them it costs them really inexpensive so it's similar like they would never go to Walgreens since they can get this really inexpensive print from us and it's going to come through someone that they trust Um, however and then we just continually talk to them about albums we give them options we give them payment plans we uh, we but we also explain what's so important and we show them samples and we talk about it a lot it's a long conversation and not everybody gets it I, I think the business model that photographers have been taught at some of these shows over the by some of the associations has actually helped create this vacuum because people have for years tried to sell prints based on the price per square inch. The bigger the print, the more it costs. And mm-hmm. this, this behavior negatively reinforces the idea that you should buy a big print because it costs you more. There's a penalty. And I think photographers choosing that business model have sort of slit their own throat. And a better business model, in my opinion, would be to come up with a total price that just includes the prints and say, everything's included in this price. Don't nickel and dime them on the size. Just say, I want you to have prints, so this is what we charge for a wedding. And it includes the album, and it includes a wall portrait. And it just it makes it hard, first of all, for people to sell against you because you don't have a package that has this many prints, blah, blah, blah. But this, the, the, the negative reinforcement against buying a big print has caused this, in my opinion. The problem is that there are so many people out there who want to afford quality photography and who are deciding between like having their cousin who kind of knows Understood. how to shoot mm-hmm. and like a professional photographer. Exactly. And then if we are saying, well, you're going to have to have this album that is going to cost another $1,500 in your package, or even if we go with something really small, it's like $1,000 in your mm-hmm. package. That's the difference of them having quality photography. How do you fight that? Maybe not so much. How do you fight that? How do you fight the, the idea of a new bride coming and saying, you know what, I could hire Sarah France photographers for this much money, or you know what, my niece has expressed a, a desire to be a photographer. I'm going to buy her one of those new Sonys and tell her to shoot my wedding, and I'm still going to come out ahead. What, what do you say to that person? I mean, honestly, you have to have the conversation of we, we don't get those conversations as much anymore mm-hmm. um, be, just because of our bottom price package. But it does happen, and there's definitely, like, so my friend, this and that, and you just really comes down to the quality, the trust, um, how the wedding day is going to run, uh, really understanding weddings and and. Everybody wants to know that their images are going to be protected, that they're they're with somebody safe. They're they're nervous about their wedding day. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot going on. So, um, I think that's really where it comes down to, and knowing that they're going to get their images. And we've had, uh, sadly, people decide to go another route and come back and say, 
the photographer I hired completely lost all of my images. And mm-hmm. I'm so sad that I made that choice. Of course, those things are heartbreaking to us. We don't we don't ever want that to happen. We want everybody to have good quality photography. You should offer an insurance package against bad photography from other photographers. Here's how we do it. I, I help a couple of studios. We promise come up, they won't be there. I help a couple of studios come up with an ad that said we fix five hundred dollar weddings. Yeah, well there you go. Yeah. No, you say, Hey, go to, go with who you want to go to and if you're not satisfied with those, we'll shoot we'll we'll fix it or we'll restage your engagement shoot and salvage it for you for the low, low price of whatever. Yeah. Ten thousand dollars. I think that argument that you're you're facing of the the client potential client that comes in and says, I don't know if I should hire you or have my cousin shoot it. Yes. They're talking to the thousand dollar photographer, not the So we're low end. That's the low end. Low end photographer. So that's yeah. something that low end photographers have to deal with. Yeah. Someone who's coming to a photographer who's buying starting price is six or ten thousand dollars, the person not gonna isn't it. trying to decide between them and their cousin. Right. Sure. Okay. Right. Yeah. At that point, they're trying to decide between which ten thousand dollar photographer. But even my out. team shooters are like last year with a six hour package, we're down to like two thousand dollars. So that's you know that it's you're dealing with a different kind of client. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we bring in a whole like a range of client I'm not used to seeing, um, and then dealing with and seeing the differences between those cli- the clientele is very very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. but you're you're talking from your you've been you're a veteran, right? You've been shooting for a while. What about yeah. the the people that are coming in? They can't come in charging these crazy, you know, Tiffany's no. prices. No, absolutely so, not. So how, like, how do, how do you reconcile that? Should so, or, or am I answering my own question? So if there's a new bride, they only have three grand yeah. extra to shoot the wedding. They should go hire somebody that is less experienced, and they're going to get an inferior product. Well, the question and how this all started comes down to: Does that bride choose a quality photographer? and then only get her digital files? Mm-hmm. Or does she choose a photographer that includes an album? I'm just, yeah, I'm it's, saying it's I have different. that conversation all the time. They're gonna choose a quality photographer at this point in their lives. Yeah. And they're gonna say, I'll get a physical product myself, I'll get it through, you know, I'll print it some other way, I'll do something else that's maybe not archival, maybe not the way that we would go, maybe they won't ever do it, which yeah. is more likely. Um, but that's the struggle that they're having and that we're having with our clients is really helping them get to the physical product mm-hmm. and with the budget that they have and still afford quality photography. Craig, you going to say something? Uh, I was just going to go back to you know, the, the printing issue. Um, I started a couple of years ago. Anytime I would do a shoot with somebody, I gave them a print mm-hmm. as part of it. And when they actually held it and felt it and had that physical, they started asking for more. Um, you know, they had never really experienced, you know, they were used to just digital content. The gateway drug technique. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I, it, once they experience that, and that's, that's part of the problem, right? This, this age, they, you know, a lot of them have never actually experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, once you do, it's, it's hard to go back. Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about training. Bruce, so on the show floor, we touched we touched on in, in the beginning of the conversation a little bit. Again, speaking to that photographer, that new wedding photographer that has some skill, maybe is a little rough, wants to learn the business side of things. They want to learn which album company, album design. Should I go with an album design company? Should I do it myself? Should I use InDesign? Should I, you know, what do you tell those people? Like, what's what's a path to to becoming good and to getting where you are, where you're sustaining 
and paying your mortgage with your photography. So getting to mediocre, basically? Is that yes. What you're asking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or mediocre. subpar, mediocre, however you want to describe yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many options out there for training. Um, you know, obviously, online training is, is, is popular, um, you know, and growing, and the market is, is there. Um, Jerry Guiona said an interesting quote today, though. He said, he said, online training, he equates it a lot to, like, porn. Mm-hmm. He said, it's, you know, fun to watch, but it's better in person. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you come to, yeah, it's, yeah, um, it's pretty did funny. Did he really say yeah, that? Yeah, did he really yeah. say yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, the opportunity to come and have um, live training, I, I don't think there's any substitute for that. I mean, I think there's a time and a place, certainly, for the online, but I think you can learn so much. There's a lot of intangibles. And Sarah can speak to this. And you know, shooting weddings. There's so much stuff that you do on a wedding day that has absolutely nothing to do with photography. That you can only learn that from photographing a wedding. Um, like I what? Learned, what kinds of things? I learned how to sew a bride's wedding dress. I've I'm now a master of pinning on boutonniere. I wow. am. You know, there's so many things because oftentimes I'm sensing a theme here. We are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we are oftentimes if they're you know even if they're working with a wedding planner the planner isn't there so you're the one they lean on for whatever if something goes sideways or south and they're in panic mode you're the one they look to because chances are you're the one with the most experience and who's been to the most wedding so there's all these intangible things you do as a wedding photographer that you can't train for um, mm-hmm. they just come from experience and there's, I think there's a lot of people that jump into weddings thinking okay I've got the technical chops I learned some of this but they're not prepared for some of those things the the family dynamics the bridezilla the the groomzilla the mm-hmm. you know the rainstorm that hits the monsoon that yeah. hits in the middle of a wedding they're not prepared for that stuff so tactical on the ground experience yeah so yeah. There, I mean that you just learn experience I think but so how do you how do you do that so are you so you train people you you have a a, a group you know, of yeah. people that are really good photographers. How do you get them from, you know, relatively green or competent when they come to you to awesome and saleable? Yeah. Well, I'm talking a lot about that in the class tomorrow because I had to kind of come up with like what we actually do and and formulate it and talk about it. And one of the big things is um, the first like wedding they go out on that on their own. They have gone through so many weddings with me as a second shooter and with with any other team shooters that we have so you know i mean at that point they probably shot 40 weddings or so as a second shooter and that really just gives you in like watching other photographers do it and working with other photographers not only us as a team but also outside of our team is just great education like I would say go second shoot for free, honestly. Like, you gain so much knowledge and understanding in doing that. So that's one of the big things. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of technical stuff to learn, and learning that from other people and um, on when you're really in it is really, really great. But then also practicing those things and going out and doing those things um, to make sure you know how to do it when you're on the spot. So um, that's really... A lot of the training, of course, there's ongoing stuff, but also just continuing to challenge themselves as artists and try new things. Like um, Jessica bought these like prisms the other day, and I was like, I've never tried shooting with prisms before, Mm -hmm. but she had seen somebody do it and thought it was really cool. So we're all helping each other and educating each other as a team. And I think it's really good, even if when you're on your own, is to get a group of people that are even at your same level and learn together really helps to kind of help you grow quickly. Does it help to be inspired to look at other photographers' work and try to emulate that? Or is there a fear that you're going to become a copycat? You know, I hear a lot of people saying don't do that, but I I honestly think there's so much education in taking what you see of somebody else's work and, and like 
stepping it back and saying like mm -hmm. how did they do that what did they say to the bride and groom to make them make those expressions mm -hmm. like how did they get that kind of light so if you take an image and can really deconstruct it you can take the elements that you learned from that as opposed to just remaking it um, and really create something unique with all of those same elements I'm happy you said that because I'm working on recreating a photo that I saw called Cranes in the Fire Mist. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck on that one. Yeah, that only, only take you one about 12 years, so go one for it. Scott, what about you? You're a veteran educator, man. So what, what do you think about it? How, how do photographers get, get come to grips with this training piece of it? Well, I, I actually have, you know, I've, I've taught for lynda.com. I used to teach physical workshops all over the country. I've kind of been in all sides of this. I taught a creative live class. I... I've been on Kelby One. I, I, I've kind of come to the, the conclusion that there needs to be a mixture of technology and old school to make it work. Um, you know, our company is working on uh, something new called ThinkTap Learn. Yes, I've heard of it. And uh, yes, you have. And, <laughs> and ThinkTap Learn will be an online training portal that's similar to lynda.com with one huge exception, and it's free. So people will be able to come and get free online video education. But my good friend Skip Cohen has a saying I really love, which is you can no more learn how to be a professional photographer by watching videos than you can learn how to drive a car by watching videos. Yeah. There needs to be a live component. So what we're doing as well is running a series of six one-day seminars all over the country. We're starting to do, we have about 30 photo walks scheduled. Cool. So we're building, uh, building groups of, of people together with meetups so that there's, an opportunity to say, okay, we saw the video, now let's try to shoot this in a one-day event. We're bringing in some big names like Matthew Jordan Smith mm -hmm. and Clay Blackwell and others to, to help with this. And the idea is to say, here's the video component to kind of wet your whistle. Now come in and learn from some people that really know how to shoot. And, and I think that it really, I do have some simple tips that I think, you know, a lot of people discount. They don't really, I, I love what Sarah said about looking at other pictures. I mean, I think the three biggest, easiest way that don't cost you a dime to learn how to be a better photographer is number one, read your page in your camera manual every day. Right. Every single day. Don't and just you, read it, but do it. Yeah, take that yeah. page. And if that page is on rear curtain shutter sync and you think you'll never ever use that, still learn how to do it. Because I promise you, there'll be a day when you'll remember that you had been through this training. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's like military training. You're like, what am I doing this for? Well, something's going to happen. You're going to be glad you did it. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, look at lots of published photographs. Look at like 100 or 200 a day if you can. And it's easy to do now. You don't have to buy anything. You can do it online. And do what Sarah said. Deconstruct it. Where was the light? What was the light source? What was the time of day? What, what was the background? What was the photographer thinking about? What, how is it drawing us, uh, attention to the subject? If you just have that conversation in your mind every day, you're going to get better, period. And the last thing is touch your camera and shoot every single day. If, if it's just to take your camera out of the bag, take a picture of a Coke can. If you shoot every day, if you handle your camera every day, if you're looking at that manual every day, if you're looking at pictures every day, and you do what I just suggested in 365 days, you're gonna be one of the best photographers you know. That's a good time. Now, that's right? where a lot of it starts. And then, and then this connecting with educators that you appreciate, if you like Matthew Jordan Smith's work, if you say, I kind of think that's cool, well then by, by golly, study what he does. You know, I wanted to be a great golfer. So I studied Tiger Woods and I said, what kind of golf clubs does he use? I'll buy those. Right. Didn't work. Right. Uh, right. You know, you, you have to you have to try to get with the people that that their work inspires you and and see. Not that you want to copy them. You covered that. I think it's important. But you can't. You, you said emulate, which is a very different word, mm -hmm. and be inspired by 
that that is something that I think is legitimate. The cranes in the fire miss photo is my most successful photo, downloaded 1.8 million times. It was inspired by a photograph that Arthur Morris, one of my early teachers and mentors, taught me how to do bird photography, and he had gone 12, 13 years before, and he finished second in the BBC Wildlife Competition, which is the most prestigious wildlife photography contest in the world. And um, and, and he had finished second with that image, and I saw it, but I just immediately saw a little different version in my mind. It just leapt into my mind. He had a nice scene similar to what I did, but I wanted birds flying into the scene. So I went to the exact place where he made that every Thanksgiving for 12 years in a row to try to duplicate it and found out it was really hard. Wow. And then finally, the last time I went, the two birds that I wanted flew into the shot, and I was like, I think I said woot for the first time in my life. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was quite wow. thrilled, and, and uh, I didn't quite even know what that meant, but I felt like I should say it, and uh, I, I, I was so, I was actually teaching a workshop. I took the CF card and like taped it to my hand, yeah. and then like sort of tried to rush through the rest of the workshop so we could take the lunch break, ran back to my hotel room, slammed the card in, had the thing come up on the, the screen, and it was like, oh, you yeah, know. Yeah. But, but it was because I was inspired by a shot I'd saw more than a dozen years before, and it, that haunted me so much yeah. that I did that. So I really think looking at other work is important. Yeah, I love yeah. that. What a yeah, great Ryan, story. Ryan Shambrary had a talk this afternoon. He even went back even further. He went back 400 years and started looking at old paintings. Good, and some good of the call. old classic old paintings and said deconstruct those those are the original photographs look at light look at composition you can learn a lot from looking at old photographs he says go to a music go to an art museum you know so there's a lot of other places too you can look for that kind of inspiration i, I look at videos and movies a lot and mm -hmm. a lot of inspiration in mm -hmm. terms of how shows are lit and these kinds of things so yeah. i draw a lot of that that rembrandt lighting thing what kind of camera did rembrandt use i love it i love it <laughs> joseph you're also an educator Right, so photojoseph.com, right? Mm. Um, you're, you've been on Linda, and you do a, a ton of stuff. I see your face everywhere. In fact, I updated my DXO, and you showed up on my phone. Like, it's That's on the phone, you know? Like, I can't get away from it. So, so what do you say? I mean, education. Photographers that want to get good. Scott, you know, Scott's example was awesome. You know, perseverance, and you see something that inspires you, then try to do it, but put your, your own spin on it. Sure. What, how do you instruct new people? Well, well, if, just to hit on the, the deconstruction idea, I love the idea of trying to, to deconstruct and replicate an image, not because you want to create the same image, but it is how you learn. Mm -hmm. And no one else in the world may ever see that photo. But if you see a photo that you really admire, try and recreate it, because you will find I thought the light was here and a reflector here and that was it but no there isn't there's so much more that went into it yeah. and that can be an incredible learning experience yeah right. but in general just learning never stops right I've I know plenty of photographers who aren't terribly successful because they've stopped learning they think they know what they need to know and they treat their job like a desk job they just come in they do what they do and they go home mm -hmm. every successful photographer I know never stops learning and for me the best way for me to learn is to teach Yes. Every time I decide I'm going to teach something, I go, okay, well, I know this. I can teach this easily. So I go to create a, a, a course outline plan for it, and I go, oh, I don't really, how do I explain, I don't really <laughs> know that as well as I thought I did. Right. Okay, I better go do some research on that. And then that opens a door, and then before you know it, you're down a rabbit hole, and you realize that you knew nothing. <laughs> yeah. Or that little piece is an entire course by itself. Exactly. <laughs> And that is such a great way to learn, to teach. So yeah. whether you're just going to 
teach your kids how to take some pictures or yeah. teach a friend or, or try and actually teach a class on Linda, uh, learning how to teach that can be the most powerful way to learn. And I want to put this out to the group, though. So, you know, on TWIP, we always do the devil's advocate side of thing, right? So if you're, if you're inspired by a print and as a new photographer and you're like, okay, I'm going to try that. That's awesome. And you, you execute it on your own and it comes out great, post it online, then you get the pitchforks and villagers coming after you for copying because mm -hmm. that photo looks just like the one your vaunt did or mm -hmm. that, but you know, what do you say, Sarah? What, what about that? What? Oh, I think I agree with what you just muttered under your, <laughs> don't post it. Don't I post mean, it? Is that what honestly, you said, Joseph? Yeah. If, you're, if, you're if you're really trying to emulate something for education purposes, it's not really necessarily for, for posting anyways. I think I agree. Like, um, if you're going to do that for education, I wouldn't even bother posting it unless you absolutely just have to have well, it Who can resist portfolio. that? If you're a new you photographer might. and you create something fantastic, it looks awesome, and you're just saying, oh, yeah, I'm just going to sit on that. Well, no, but you can post it for with the disclaimer that I'm trying to recreate this image. Here's yeah. the oh, image. Yeah. Inspired I'm by trying to recreate right. it. Yeah. Not even inspired. Yeah. I'm trying to recreate this. I think I've got it. What do you think? Or yeah. or take what you've shot it once you get it, once you're like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Now try to make it your own. That's mm -hmm. that's the thing. I, I, you know, even when you're trying to recreate something, there's still you're still probably shooting a person. Maybe you're shooting a bird, or but he he made it his own. That's mm -hmm. that's the thing. He wanted something different, something more. And I think with every image, we can look at something and be like, "This is great. I want this, but I want this. Great. I want this great. piece in it." But really, yeah, you really need to make it your own. A little story here: a photographer friend of mine in the town that I live in was in his studio. It was probably a couple years ago. And he's got a bunch of prints on the wall, and I see a print that's, that looks very familiar. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I've, I've, but I've seen an image just like that, such and such other photographer shot. And he goes, yeah, that photographer used to be my assistant. That's my oh. concept, my way of shooting something. Very specific. Yeah. Um, they completely ripped it off. Wow. If you're going to own it, really own it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think also change it. You know, take, make mm -hmm. it your own, like, like Scott did with, with the, uh, his shot. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say probably half of the things I shoot are uh, a combination of, of a variety of other photographs I've seen. And I pull little pieces from them and create my own images sure. as a result of that. But yours, uh, your stuff is, and we'll link to your portfolio in the, in the blog post for this episode, but your stuff is conceptual art, fine art stuff. Mm -hmm. It's bringing things back to photography or to uh, wedding photography specifically, it's a different game right because this is a once in a lifetime or maybe twice in a lifetime event that these people are going to have and there's a programmed and expected number of or kinds of shots that you need to deliver so as a new wedding photographer how do you balance and this is to to the two wedding photographers in here, how do you balance making as a training new photographers telling them to get the right shots what they need to get but also becoming a good photographer and being in, being an artist, like instead of a mechanic, you know, repeating robotically the same stuff over and over again. How do they do that while also being creative? Well, I think you got a, a lot of photographers say you got to you got to show what you want to shoot eventually, right? So if you if there's a particular style and a particular genre and a particular type of client that you want to attract, I think that's the stuff that you have to show. Um, uh, some photographers that I know, uh, two men studios, uh, Lanny and Erica. Um, they were getting the same types of weddings and they realized that the, they started posting most of the, they stay like till the end of the reception and they post these epic 
party reception shots. Like we're talking when things start to get a little off the rails and a, yeah. little, a little crazy. <laughs> Not uh, safe for work. <laughs> and they will shoot, you know, literally ten to fifteen thousand frames to try to get that like moment. They they work like crazy. And that's the stuff they show, and then that's the type of client that they attract. So yes, they're gonna shoot the quote-unquote safe photos during the course of the day, but that's not necessarily the stuff that they will post and show on their website or, or online, right? So you have to show what you, the type of work you want to attract. Mm -hmm. So yes, there's a time and place to get this, the quote-unquote safe shots that you have to get, mm -hmm. um, right? Um, but then the stuff that you show is what you ultimately want to attract and shoot, and that will get you more of that type of client and that more of that type of work. Yeah, and there's things that clients are definitely expecting to get, and those are the things that we make sure that they get. But our our job is to really give them what they expect and then over-deliver the things that they didn't expect. Yeah. So that's Surprising really where delight. the art comes in. <laughs> yeah, that's where, you know, that's where we're having the most fun. But honestly, like, those moments that are so important to them are really important to us as photographers, wedding photographers as well. Like, we want to capture dad and his seeing his daughter for the first time. And those things are, are really important. They're important moments to capture. But then there's the, the bride and the groom alone together. And we get to completely orchestrate what they do and the experience that they have together. But we gain a lot of inspiration from our couples, from mm -hmm. who they are as a couple. Um, we get to know them really well. And then that makes creating something unique and different a lot easier because you're creating it based on a person, um, based on a relationship, not necessarily just, you know, photographs you've seen. Love it. There's a new photography conference on the scene, and it's called Out of Chicago. And it's the brainchild of my friend Chris Smith. The event happens in Chicago, June 24th through 26th, and this will be the third year and the biggest yet. This year, the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible, featuring amazing photographers and educators like Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Scott Bourne, Valerie Jardin, and even myself. There'll be cool workshops, portfolio reviews, photo walks, photo crawls, and a ton more. And I'll be leading several workshops, including the time-traveling photographer, the photographer's guide to marketing, and more. Plus, we'll be recording an episode of TWIP live in front of an audience, so you can join us and ask questions, and maybe you'll even make it into the show. So here's a really good part. For a limited time, the Out of Chicago team is knocking $100 off the registration price if you use the code TWIPCHICAGO when you sign up. Remember, this event happens June 24th through 26th, so sign up now and use the code TWIPCHICAGO to get a full $100 knocked off of the ticket price. Just head over to twip.pro slash OOC to see all the details. That's twip.pro slash OOC. And I'll see you in the Windy City. All right, I want to switch gears real quick. And um, actually, I want to... Joseph, I'm going to throw a question at you. I know these guys, you guys are shooting. Um, what are you shooting, Bruce? Uh, Ken. So I shoot Ken. Sarah, what are you shooting? Ken. You're not. So in the, with the stuff that you shoot, I know you have the capability to do like 4K video and, and extract frames from that. Is that stuff viable for weddings, like being able to shoot 4K and then extract frames from it? What, what are the limitations? Absolutely. One of the uh, Luminary team members is William Ines, who's a wedding photographer down in yeah. L.A. And yeah, he does a lot of shooting 4K video to extract frames. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's when you shoot 4K video to extract frames, you're getting an eight megapixel still, which is obviously not as high resolution as the Canon 20, 30, 40, 50 megapixel, whatever they're up to these days. Um, but you can print an eight by ten at 300 DPI or, or 16 by 20 at 150 DPI, and frankly, that's 
that's enough. That's right? good to enough. Do a lot, yeah, to do a lot of printing. So as long as you're setting it up right and you're getting that fast enough shutter speed to capture that moment without the motion blur, it's absolutely viable. And that's not to say that you should just shoot 4K video, swing the camera around, and hope that you get something. Right. You still have to be a photographer. Right. You still have to know how to light and where to sit. And but it helps. It helps with capturing that decisive moment. But it very much helps with capturing that decisive moment. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. If you're shooting, the, the, the easy way to equate it is even a lot of how what's a top of the line Canon? How many frames per second can you shoot? Scott can talk to that. <laughs> <laughs> the 1DX Mark II will do 14 frames a second with a CFast card and the new battery. Okay. Very impressive, 14 frames a second. Most cameras are more like 8, 9, 10 frames a second. Right. When you're shooting 4K photo, you're shooting at 30 frames a second. So that's the difference. Yeah. Um, lower resolution, yes. Higher frame rate. So you've got to decide. And no raw. Most so, yeah. It, right, it's it's essentially JPEGs, right? So Precisely. you don't have that flexibility. Right. Interesting. Scott, that's what, what do you think about that? The, that new, tech, new wave of 4K extraction stuff? Well, listen, I, I mean, we're going to be at 8K before you turn around. So, I, I mean, it, it's... It's crazy. I can't even buy a TV that stays up with the TV that I looked at last week. And they're just, you know, they want you to buy a TV that does like 8K, but there's no 8K video. But I remember when I wanted to buy the 4K video the TV, there was no 4K video. Now there is. I, I think it's interesting. And, you know, I think video is something that those of us that live in the stills world have to, if you're in the business of making images, you're, you know, we've started consulting people use the term visual artist, not yeah. photographer, not sure video person I think it's a real reality you have to deal with now the way we do it do you know with with my team is I'm lucky enough to have some of the best video people in the world and they shoot video and I shoot stills yeah <laughs> and yeah. Uh, it's a completely different experience because when you're shooting stills there's a moment you're going to capture that's technically captured on the video but you may not see it on a video because it's so fast and on a still you freeze it in action I've always still prefer that I've messed with the video a hundred different times I keep going back to it and saying I'm going to master this and it masters me. And I just decided, you know, here's the thing. I've got all these, like our buddy Rich Harrington, like wrote the book on Final Cut Pro Literally, and yeah. Premiere Pro and teaches at any beat. What the heck am I doing? He's the guy that does the video. I do the stills. Yeah. I do think he, you have to pay attention. If particularly if you're in the wedding business, it's a great revenue stream. Yeah. And, you know, but all the cameras are so good. It really doesn't even matter what you shoot. You cannot buy a bad camera. If you spend 500 bucks on a camera or more, can't buy a bad one these days. I wonder. I wonder if we're we're heading to a future where, Joseph, maybe you can address this. Where you at a wedding, you could set up multiple cameras and just roll 4K video yeah. and go harvest them later. But you're still not getting that moment. You're not going to get yeah. that angle, get that position. There's no artistry. In yeah, there's no artistry. Right. right. It's right. I mean, what these guys do: shooting weddings, getting into that, shooting between those two people, getting that glance that nobody else saw. That's you're not going to get that without. A thousand cameras pointing in every possible direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of new technologies, do you guys care about? You know, there's there's been these, like, what was it? Rico came out with the, the Theta, which does 360 degree video. I think it's cool. It's, uh, Nikon has one that shoots 4K 360 degree. Does that have a place in the wedding world? You guys think? Sarah's thinking this. It's like, I, like, mm, I could do that. Mm, <laughs> a new product. Yeah. Yeah. Tape a Rico to Sarah's head Where at the next we wedding. Where do want to look moment? I mean, they're cool. Why not? I mean, yeah. people want people want to see everything from a wedding. Day. Yeah. <laughs> you like you could go back to that day and sometimes. see the ring, you know, getting put on the finger from any angle. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, it, you know, it's really cool. It's just a matter of priorities for people. Yeah. It all comes down to priorities. And quality. And, so what you really need is you need your 
DJI Phantom sporting a Theta X at 8K, <laughs> circling you. over a remote control hybrid operation. I have a feeling that's coming. You know, I have a feeling that's coming. Oh my gosh. Phantom, a little bit quieter would be good. I was in a hotel the where they, the wedding was going on down below our, our balcony. Uh, and they had three drones flying oh my around God. for wow. the wedding. Wow. Or you could be like that couple that got their dog to photograph their wedding with a GoPro. Yes. So they, they attached a GoPro <laughs> to the dog's head, uh -huh. and the dog followed the couple around on the wedding day, and that was their wedding video. Yeah, how long that lasts? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but that was, that was what they did. The wedding. <laughs> the, the, well, the, the wedding photographer that did that job was ticked, went and gave the dog a bone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. the wedding. Go downhill. Go downhill. Put up, All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. We're almost at an hour here, um, but I want to close this discussion off on the question that hits most new wedding photographers, and it is pricing. Like, how do I, I want to start, I got my stuff, I feel like I got the chops to shoot. What do I do? Do I go to, you know, do I look online and see what everyone else is charging and, and average it or undercut them? Or do I want to, you know, aim high and say I'm better than everybody else because I'm a boutique? What do I do, Sarah? How do you how do you, how do they price themselves? I knew you were gonna come to me first. So, there. <laughs> You're the highest priced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, aside from Scott Moore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, we actually talk about this in my class tomorrow, and I'm I'm nervous about it because it's a really like touchy subject, and it's deep. Like I'm I'm afraid I'm gonna hit the financial slide, and people are gonna be like, "And I'm out. See you." Yeah. He like people check out when it comes to numbers sometimes. So. When it comes to pricing our photographers, because we have a, you know, really a gamut, um, even our newest one is so new that we, we started her really low. And when it comes to setting their price point, we start looking at, at where they're at um, and, and where they need to be, what kind of gear they have, what they're able to provide the client. Those things are really important when it comes to pricing because mm -hmm. what you don't want to do is charge, you know, in the mid high range and show up with one camera, two lenses, mm. and maybe a flash that may or may not work. You know, yeah, like yeah. that's just no good. That's yeah. not what you should be doing. That's not providing the client with the right with the right quality. So um, we make sure that they have have the quality gear that they need um, to, to get to that price point. And mm -hmm. so we start with that. We look at the market. We look at all that when it comes to setting the price. But then there's a whole conversation that's not happening about the cost that goes into shooting a wedding. Yeah. And people are going out and charging, you know, $1,500, $2,000. And guess what? They can't pay their bills. Like, shocking. Yeah. But they're because they're not actually looking at what that wedding is actually costing them. So in, in breaking this down for everyone, I, I went over every single thing that goes into a package, including time. If I have to do it, Whoa. if somebody else has to do it, how much every single line item is going to cost in that yeah. wedding. Yeah. And if I do it, I get the money. If I if I have to pay somebody else, this is what they're getting. They're yeah. getting $50 or $20 or for that one single task. And so we broke everything down, including overhead, which is another one people don't think about. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard thing to put into a wedding package to figure out how much overhead should be in there. So we've kind of come up with a calculation for that as well. Um, and then 
we look at that dollar amount and make sure that matches. Like yeah. if we're at two thousand dollars for the package, but we're charging fifteen hundred, and there's zero, there's negative five hundred dollars in the package for profit. Doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So there's two things that have to happen: price it first, take a look at it, figure out all the back end costs, then take another look at it and make sure you're making that match. Make adjustments where you need to make adjustments. That's, Maybe it's your overhead. That sounds way too complicated. I know. See, <laughs> I, just want I you have to, slides. I just want you to say average what everybody in the market is charging, and that's what you charge. I know, but that's unfortunately why people go out of business. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I think it's really important that they take a good look at their financials before they um, really price themselves. And on top of it, if they're, they're in business and looking to add photographers to their business, they definitely need to take a look at their financials. So that's just tripling the issue that they're going to have. Love yeah. it. Riz, what about you? How did, how did you how did you set your price? Sell high, buy low. That's it. <laughs> Please tell, tell um, me yours is simpler. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I'm with Sarah. Sarah said it exactly <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that, I mean, pricing is, you can go down a, a rabbit hole with pricing. We've talked about it a lot on, on Twip Weddings. Uh, Brian's talked about it a lot on, over on Sprouting Photographer. He's got articles written, you know, extensive articles on the topic. Um, there's all kinds of information out there. But yeah, I mean, you have to take into effect, you got to take into account, you know, some, there's some market forces at play. I mean, it's, you know, in some places you can't always go in and, and, and be the $10,000 wedding photographer in a market that maybe won't sustain that. You could try and see see where you go. So there's there's external forces. You've got your cost of doing business. But I think coming to a show like WPPI, for example, is a great opportunity to look at you know, I was talking to um, somebody uh, this afternoon about, you know, like in our market right now, the economy has, has been hit really hard. We're in a, an oil and gas heavy area um, and we've really been hit where, hard, where is it? Uh, in Edmonton, Alberta. And our primary driver of the economy is, is oil and gas. Um, but it, a lot of it comes from the oil sands. And so at, at oil being at $30 a barrel, um, uh, unemployment has skyrocketed in the last few months. So the economy has been hit hard. So it's tough to start raising your prices in, in that kind of environment. So you have to look at other ways. How can I be creative with my business? So you come to a place like WPPI and you look at, well, maybe I can find a new, uh, maybe a different album partner, or maybe my album company is offering a better solution that's maybe a little more cost effective. I'm still getting, my clients are still getting a nice album, um, but it's, it's saving me a little on the costs of doing yeah. business. And that might allow me to keep my existing prices where, where they're at, um, but save me a little on the cost side. Are there ways that I can, you know, we saw the new um, Fundy album designer yeah. yes. as a way to like uh, be able to speed up the workflow process and be able yeah. to build the album quicker. So instead of spending three hours to build an album, now I can build an album in 20 minutes. That's a cost savings on my end. So maybe there's ways you can save your costs. So there's so Absolutely. many, so many aspects you have to look at when you're running a business, but it's all about running a business and running a business so that it's sustainable and it's mm -hmm. gonna, you know, continue on for, for years. Yeah, yeah. Craig, what about you? I mean, I know you don't shoot weddings, but anything to add on, you know, oh, pricing, oh, pricing pricing your stuff? Uh, um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Buy, buy, sell good. high, buy low. <laughs> like, no. no, I think they covered it very well, right? Uh, it, is, it is market, market forces that yeah. uh, really drive it uh, for me. Yeah. Um, and, and just having the price match what your quality is mm -hmm. yeah. right yeah. Mm -hmm. That's uh, key. Yeah. there's there's a lot of people that that uh try to have high pricing but the the images aren't really all that great yeah. and they're not going to succeed yeah that. what about you joseph yeah it's pricing what you're worth figuring out what the value of your work is absolutely and charging equitably for that 
Um, but sticking to your guns and saying, you know, this is what I charge because I'm worth this. As a photographer, this is what I'm worth. And there are cheaper photographers out there. There yeah. might be more expensive photographers out there. But I'm not going to drop my price because you called and asked, please. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. work. Um, yeah, it does. But I if don't... you if you got a hungry baby at home and you're like, well, hey... You know, uh, this, that they're, they, slope, but they say, you know, my prices are $3,500, but they say all they have is, is 25 and I have rent to pay and my car payment is coming due. What do you do? So, do you well, stand on your morals or do you take the money? Well, you got to stand on your morals, but you also have to find a way to negotiate. I don't, I don't do weddings, but I know that in weddings, there's always something you can say, all right, well, if my price is 35 you got 25 well, we can take this out. Mm-hmm. I can be there last hours. You don't get okay. the album. Whatever it is, you can take pieces out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't do these packages. My um, the only kind of comparable thing that I would do is portraits, mm-hmm. and I have a, a fairly high portrait price for the for the town that I live in, and I don't negotiate. It doesn't go lower, and I probably turn away more business than I take because people call me. They want a portrait. What's it cost? Here's the price. Oh, that's too much. That's fine. Here's another three photographers who will do it for check for less. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want the experience that I offer, if you want my photos, this is what it costs. Why not go the route that Sarah went? And, you know, she has different levels of photographers that work for her that you could say, well, you know, if you want the photo Joseph experience, it's this much. But I have, you I'm know. working on that. Nice. Good. <laughs> oh, okay. Good, 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 good. Okay, good. So it's expanding the business. It's not for everyone, though, just so you know. I do have some questions in my slides that are like, hey, you know, this is not the business structure for everyone to have. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not just like Sounds a natural crazy. step for a lot of people. Yeah. It's, I, I've talked to other photographers about it, and they're like, I would not want that lifestyle. So yeah. it's it sounds definitely like a future episode for Trip Weddings. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. Scott Bourne. Scott Burton no, pricing. Yeah. We got to get Sarah on the show. I know. I, know. I just you haven't been on Twelve main, Weddings. I, oh, I love possible. the main show so much, and I just haven't had a chance How to get on Twelve Weddings. Oh. I know. I know. We're gonna fix that. Ugh. We're making that happen. Well, I think Sarah very well detailed the basics, and it doesn't matter what you're selling. You have to know what your cost of goods sold are. You have to have margins that you count on, and most people look at margins in the way to two to three times markup. Everything you touch should be marked up. There are market forces. There's a couple of things I haven't heard talked about much that might be germane to the discussion, which is photographers generally don't know how to negotiate. And, uh, yes, you know, they're like, you, so you wouldn't want to pay 2500 would you? I mean, that's their strongest sales line. You know, right. it's, right. it's, so the first thing I try to teach people is don't, don't market to the audience that you, that's necessarily around you if they're not able to afford you. There's no reason why you're limited to your own zip code if there's a, an affluent zip code, three zip codes away, where people are traditionally paying three times higher for your wedding, hmm, I might sell my weddings over there. Yeah. That yeah. helps. And, and you know, now I, 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 I used to shoot weddings a long time ago. I did recently shoot a wedding for a friend and begged not to. <laughs> <laughs> but I quoted the highest price I've ever quoted, thinking that would run her off, and she said yes, so I was stuck. Uh, so, so that's part. That's part of the negotiation. Don't care to do it, and then they make you hire it. But yeah. I ha- in the, I do a lot of licensing, mm-hmm. and so what I've learned, you know, in the licensing business is the person who sends the number first loses. Mm. So they'll come to me and say, "We'd like to license cranes in the fire mist for this," and I'm like, "So what's your budget?" Yeah. I have a whole series of questions. What's your budget? What do you typically pay for that? What did you pay for your last licensing agreement? What are you hoping to achieve revenue-wise from this licensing agreement? I'm going to ask 1,000 questions before I give a number. 
Yeah. And then they're eventually going to say a number. And here's what I've learned over my many, many years in the result of gray hairs is about half the time they're going to say a number higher than I wanted. Yeah. Which is why I let them talk first. Because that means about half the time I'm going to take money off the table I didn't know was there. They say, oh, our budget's like 50 grand. And I was thinking 25. I'm like, just a minute. Hmm. I can make that work. <laughs> you know? And, but if I say 25, because that's what I think it's worth, and they go, we were thinking 50. We'll take that, you know? Yeah. Right. So you have to let the other guys say the number first. That's part of the deal. And you have to know what you are. You, I agree with everything. You have to know what you're worth. Yeah. And you have to say, you know, I have to make a profit. And, and, and in the wedding business, here's a trick I did used to use. So the, the brides would come in and hear my price and go ballistic. And I'd say, so who's catering your wedding? Oh, Wolfgang Puck. Oh, so what's Wolfgang charging you? 50 grand, huh? And then I'd have a slide. And it would be a toilet. And I'd say, guess where Wolfgang's work's going to be tomorrow? <laughs> right there. That's 50 grand, huh? Yeah, you, think my doing that. you think my price is too high? And let me ask you this. Who's doing your flowers? The flower lady in our area that was the top end lady was like 50 grand. Her name was Jane. I said, oh, really? And I had a shot of the Marriott dumpster with $50,000 worth of flowers in it. And I said, that's where the flowers are going to be right after your wedding. Yeah. Now, here's one of my albums. I'm just curious. Do you think something that you're going to sit on your mantle for five decades might be worth more than those flowers in the dumpster or Wolfgang's stuff in the toilet? You know, you got you to build the value in. And of course, I'm a little bit crude here on the show. And I actually I had, I I, I had somebody working with me who was much more smooth in the delivery of this. But, <laughs> but, but the point is, you have, to, you have to get them to understand the value of what you do. Yeah. 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 And uh, just one last note on, on the conversation is that um, you, you, when you were talking about this, it made me think, like, understanding who your client is is a really, really big deal in understanding your pricing. Um, my friend Erin Youngren does an amazing job at helping people uh, figure out who their ideal client is. She's teaching, oh, no, I missed it. She taught today at four, but I, I, we've caught it already. Um, and she is really talented at that. And I think understanding who your client is helps so much in pricing. So I think that's another thing that's really, really useful. And yeah. don't base your pricing on what you, you could afford. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because there are people that say, well, I couldn't possibly charge that much. Well, yeah. yeah. And, a, and another thing, too, is that just recently, like, I was going after a certain type of clientele, and I realized that, you know, maybe, like, that clientele wasn't really working for me. And I have really been enjoying shooting. Some of my favorite clients, honestly, are are TWIP listeners. I have had the most amazing weddings from TWIP listeners. Cool. So that type of personality and clients are just amazing for me. I also really have been really enjoying working with scientists. Like I have a lot of couples who are scientists because we live in a, in San Diego where it's a really um, high area for that. And I just love that. I love yeah. the, those types of clients. And so we're changing things a little bit to really cater to some of those people who may maybe don't always feel so comfortable behind the camera or in front of the camera. They feel a lot more comfortable behind the camera <laughs> yeah. usually, yeah. Yep. So um, I think that's an interesting transition too. That's cool. Yeah. We could do, we could go on for two hours. Yeah, I, I know. Think. Um, but I know you guys all have parties to go to tonight, so <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap this up. Craig, Colvin, where should people go to connect with you and see some of that awesome work that you do? Uh, CraigColvinPhotography.com has links to all my social media. Uh, I have been... Uh, using Facebook a lot more recently, so mm -hmm. that's uh, where I'm posting a lot of my newest work, and uh, would encourage you to, to join there, Craig Colvin Photography on okay. Facebook. 
Cool. And thanks for coming, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bruce Clark, what about you? We well, all know where you are, but yeah, tell us again. If, if you want more in-depth <laughs> discussions on, on wedding photography and the business and, and the creative side of it, uh, come on over and listen to our show, Twip Weddings, with Brian Capricci and Robert Evans, my usual co-hosts. And we're going to get Sarah on the show yes, yes. coming up soon. I can't believe um, you haven't been on Twitter. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. Yeah, so give us a listen. Um, if, you, if you're looking for me, uh, Moments in Digital is my website and digital.com or I'm at Bruce Clark on most of the social networks, and that's Clark with an E. With an E, the incorrect. Probably spending a lot of my time these days, Facebook and Instagram. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I am at sarahfrance.com is my personal site, and then France Photographers is the group site as well. Um, and we did just open the studio in Austin, and I will say we are looking for two more photographers in Austin. So, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. yeah. Maybe I'll move to Austin. Hey. There you go. Oh, no, sorry. We're in all. You're going the wrong direction. We're in the wrong direction. We are an all-female team. Oh. Oh. Dagger to the heart. That's got to be. I can file a complaint with human rights. I think that's only if I hire you. There you go. There you go. Boom. Cool. Joseph? Photojoseph.com. Joseph for everything on all the socials. And Frederick, last time when we were on Twip together, you said in the beginning of the show, we're going to talk about something new. And then we didn't. And I had listeners email me saying, well, you, you This is an ultimate cliffhanger. Thing, we, 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 there was no result at the end, so... Okay, you that? tell us what it is. This, okay. is. this is our brainchild, but it is, you know, you're carrying the baby. So it's <laughs> <laughs> that was and way that's too that's much information. <laughs> it's not heartburn? <laughs> not yet. Exactly. So obviously, uh, the, the This Week in Photo is not just a show. It's now an entire network of shows. And there will be a new show that we have hinted at before, but it is now finally coming to fruition, and that is Twit Apps. Yes. So This Week in Photo Apps, tying in very nicely with the photoapps.expert website that I run and yes. we will be talking about all the lovely lovely apps that are out there in the format which may change but the format that we're trying to go with right now is interviewing a developer or some representative from the company for a particular app and this can be a desktop app can be a thousand dollar desktop app or a free iPhone app um, and everything in between and just get a new developer with a new app on the show every time it's gonna be so cool because one of the problems I have is with the app store in general there's so much cool stuff I just you know it's so much cool stuff in there I can't, I just give up, yeah. you know, I, I have to, the way that I find new apps is like, hey, what are you using? Them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. you're going to help solve that problem. We're going to try and help solve that problem, absolutely. And it's going to be a video podcast because it's, it is going to be a video interview with screen sharing, and that's the key. Yeah. When the, the developer wants to show off their app, we've got all the network switching set up so we can do a, a video recording of their screen from wherever they are in the world and show off whatever it is they want to show. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Welcome to the network. Thank you, sir. Last but not least, Mr. Scott Bourne, where can people find you and keep up with what you've got going on? I have so many internet presences, you can virtually type random text and reach me. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I'm, try that. I'm, uh, I'm at photofocus.com, by the way. Uh, today, we relaunched version three, the, the third version of the site since its original cool. iteration wow. in November 2nd, 1998. The very talented Doug Dalton helped mm-hmm. us do this with significant investment in time, money, and it's a brand new site. We hope people like it. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Scott Bourne, of course, and uh, you can you can email me, Scott at PhotoFocus. Wow. I'm happy to talk to people if I can help them. Sure, let me know. Um, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff under yeah. Scott Bourne. And Are you still on Twitter? 
I'm I'm kind of on Twitter. All right, yeah. cool. Because uh, you didn't like last time you were on Twitter, you had like 900 million followers or something. 215,000 is a little less than 900 million. <laughs> it's yeah. close. It's I close. would take 900 million. It's close. But but it's it's fun to interact interact with people. I'm starting to do that again, and and I'm I'm just now testing the Facebook waters. It took me a few years to get involved with that, but I'm having fun. But mostly photofocus.com every day. Love it. Well, thank you all for coming on. It's been great. It's a historic episode of This Week in Photo. And listeners, obviously, you know where to find us. We're at thisweekinphoto.com. You can find us there. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, And if you subscribe to us on YouTube, please like us and give us a comment on the video. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. 